This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jeff does a great job. Astros analyst, uh, former major leaguer as well, joined us earlier in the postseason. Hey, Jeff, Taz in the moves with you. Thanks again for popping on this morning. We appreciate it. Jeff, what's up? Right now it's me, but uh, it was a long night last night. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well, Good, Jeff. Man. We're doing well. I mean, it was. I know it didn't. We know it didn't go the Stroh's way, but that was an epic. I mean, that was an epic game six with so many ups and downs, range of emotions. I mean, being in the ballpark watching. I mean, that was a riveting game for a baseball fan. No, it really was. It had everything you wanted. If you were cheering for both sides, uh, you know, early on it was the Astros making the adjustment and picking up uh, Justin Verlander with big two runs in the bottom of the first inning. But, uh, you know, as a fan of the game, and yes, I work for the Astros, but, man, what Steven Strasburg did last night was one of those monumental lifts that you need from a guy in the top end of your rotation. And uh, the Washington Nationals owe everything to Steven Strasburg right now for getting him into Game 7. No doubt, no doubt, Jeff, no doubt. Moose and I were talking about that a lot earlier. Hey, so let me ask you, why do you think the home field advantage has basically meant nothing in terms of wins and losses in this series? I mean, is there any way to put any logic behind this? <laughs> That's where I put my job in jeopardy is trying to figure this kind of stuff out. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know because everything I've heard from, you know, I had a chance to hang out, you know, I'll name drop right here, you know, Christian Yelich, Adam Jones, and Tim Anderson and Max Muncy before game two. And to a man, they said that Minute Maid Park is one of the loudest, most raucous environments that they can play in during the regular season, let alone the playoffs. And here come the Washington Nationals, and they almost feed off the uh, energy of the Minute Maid fans. Because last night, for me, it really felt like the Nationals used some of that energy on the road to propel themselves into that win last night. They were not uh, phased by it one bit and went out there and had some great at-bats. Um, you know, Jeff, what was your take on what transpired and the call and the interference call on Trey Turner top half of the seventh inning? Uh, I'm, I'm frustrated in the sense that I feel, you know, Sam Holbrook, the home plate umpire at the time, is, is a veteran umpire. And, yes, Major League Baseball will put guys behind the plate in these clinch games that they trust. And overall, Sam Holbrook is a very good umpire. But I feel like that was a missed call last night, even though the, it went, did not go – well, it did go the Astros' way, but I feel like it really went against the Nationals because when the collision happened or when the, when the, you know, when everybody came together, it was on the base. Now, if Trey Turner was running where he was running and the throw hits him in the back, I understand the call. But the fact that it happened at the base and the base being in fair territory, it, you know, it left that that rule to be interpreted a little too late for me. I think once the player gets to the bag and the ball gets to the bag and the first baseman is there, you kind of have to throw everything out the window. But if before the bag, the ball hits the runner in the back, I understand the call. But the way it was called last night and the timing and the moment, I completely disagree with how it was called. Yeah, we were the same way. And we were talking earlier, you know, 
Jeff, I was bringing up the fact about, you know, and you've heard this before. I mean, you know, like in Little League and softball, a safety base. And without calling it a safety base, uh, an extended base to go back towards, you know, make it simple for the athlete to run to avoid any kind of injury or avoid something like this. What's your thoughts on something like that? I mean, Lord knows I'll never change the baseball field. But what's your thoughts on that for something like that? As a former player, you know, your thoughts on a base like that for the athlete to run through without having an issue like this? Well, you know, it, it would look funny. I know it's used in women's softball to, you know, to get that out of the way and give them a different target to run to because baseball is unique because the bases are in fair territory. So it's kind of counterintuitive. If you read the rule, it says once you get to that 45-foot line, and that's why there's that extra stripe down the first baseline on the outside of the right, line, right. is to give the, the runner a target to get to or a lane to run in but once you get in that lane, you're in foul territory, and then the base is in fair territory. So it kind of it's counterintuitive in the sense that your coaches will say, run in a straight line to first base. Well, that straight line for a, for, for a right-handed hitter is a little bit towards the inside part of the diamond in the direction of the throw when it's out in front like that. So it, 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 it's tough. It's not going to change, but it right. definitely it needs to be adjusted. And as a right-handed hitter, you have to run to the foul territory and then back to fair territory to hit the bag. So crazy. it's kind of tough. Yeah. We're talking to Jeff Blum, Astros analyst, uh, former MLB uh, veteran. Jeff, uh, you know, what about before we get to game seven tonight and, and obviously how you think it plays out and Scherzer and the like, uh, what about Verlander? Taz and I were talking about earlier. I mean, the fact that seven World Series starts, he's now 0-6. You know, had the 2-1 lead last night. He's prone to give up the home run this year, as a lot of major league pitchers were with the home run being up. But what about Verlander and what you saw here in the postseason, what you specifically saw here in the fall classic? Um, I'm still seeing a guy that competes, uh, but I'm seeing a guy that understands he has to be a little bit more fine. And I think that's kind of gotten to him a little bit. There was a lot of talk and a lot of rhetoric before the game talking about the inability to win that clinch game or the inability to win a World Series game, which he is now 0-6. And, and I believe the team in games that he pitches is now one and six and seven starts in the world series. But I think it's in his psyche. I think he's still a competitor, but I also feel like he did not go out there and pitch as freely as maybe he wanted to and left a couple of pitches up out of the plate. And the reason he's not pitching as freely as I think he wants to, and we kind of saw it throughout the course of the season. I don't know what it is about some of these big time pitchers, maybe a no, you know, the Nolan Ryans or the, uh, you know, the Randy Johnson, sometimes you see these guys go out there and they don't get the run support that they need. And Justin Verlander kind of falls into that category of getting maybe just under three runs a game in the World Series when he's out there pitching. That is a very fine line for a very good pitcher to be walking, you know, unable to make mistakes like he did last night. You figure with the offense the Astros put up in the last three games before game six, that that offense of six runs a game would have been more than enough for Justin Verlander to go out there and get that first World Series win, but it didn't happen. Hey, Jeff, so uh, Moose and I had a lengthy conversation earlier about Scherzer, the neck, and everything. How much do you think the Nationals get out of him tonight? I'm curious. I'm with you guys, too, because, you know, we hear about the injury and he takes the day off. I read a story that said his wife had to put his shirt on, so that kind of it gives me an idea it was pretty bad. And then uh, he gets the cortisone shot. you got to shut yourself down for a day or two to get back in rhythm. And then we saw him yesterday at uh, Minute Maid Park playing catch. So I haven't, he's, not, he's out of his routine. Obviously, he's, he's durable enough. He's strong enough at this point in the season to go out there and give you multiple innings. 
But at the same time, I'm kind of curious what the what those innings will be. You know, pitching has a lot to do with touch. It has a lot to do with delivery. And if he has to alter his delivery just a little bit to accommodate or compensate for the injury in his shoulder, I'm curious where that release point goes. And I wonder how how closely Davey Martinez and the Nationals are going to watch him and see where that release point is, see how fluid that delivery is. And if he starts to miss his spot, you know, out of the zone or miss his spots and leave pitches up out of the plate, it could be a damaging night. So I'm real curious to see how it goes. But the one thing that kind of trumps all that for me is Max Scherzer's mentality. That dude is a bulldog, man. Yeah, he certainly is. And, you know, he wants the baseball. I guess my question is then, Jeff, is what do you get here from Zach Greinke? Um And how much leeway do you think A.J. Hinch is going to give him? I mean, is it going to be the first sign of trouble? I mean, it is a game seven. How much trust do you think Hinch has in, in Greinke? Um, I think there's there's plenty of trust, but it's going to be limited trust because, like you guys said, you know it's it's you know you don't want the game to get out of hand. If you know if there's two runners on, do you take them out, or is it after the first run is given up, do you take them out? Or you know, there's certain indicators I'm sure that AJ Hinch is looking for because everybody is available. Even a Justin Verlander might be available, considering he, you know he still threw 100 plus pitches last night. But you, you've got Garrett Cole waiting in the wings. You've got Jose Arquiti. So he's got some protection. It's just a matter of what indicators A.J. Hinch is looking for. Is it command? Is it how hard the Washington Nationals are hitting the ball? Or is it just going to be a moment when he has two guys on base and he doesn't trust Zach Granke in the matchup he has with guys on base? Jeff, final one is, is that city nervous, excited, and how do you think it plays out tonight? Um, I, I think they're nervous. I think, you know, Watching the Astros win three games on the road, coming home and having the potential to, to win the World Series with Verlander on the mound, I think there is a sense of nervousness because, you know, it's frustrating to me to watch a team that can hit when they, when they know what's coming and they're unable to adjust when they don't know what's coming. That, that frustrated me last night. and It puts a little bit of worry in my mind tonight because the national pitchers know that the Astros have issues when they can't you know, anticipate which pitches are coming. So it's all on the offenses tonight. Who makes the, who makes the best adjustment earliest may have the potential to win this game. But uh, if it comes down to the bullpens, it's a crapshoot after that. Hey, Jeff, great job. We appreciate it. Enjoy game seven tonight, and thanks for the time this morning. Thanks, Jeff. Any, anytime. Great being on with you guys. Have a good rest of the day. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.